Anybody grateful that God gets involved in our lives in a very specific way? Anybody grateful that the hand of the Lord is involved in your situation? Glory to God. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter number 18. While you're turning there, I just want to thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord today. Every tither, every giver, come on. We're so thankful for your stewardship. Those of you that are tithing, good stewards. Those of you that are giving, we praise God for that. And we thank the Lord that when we operate in obedience, he breaks the spirit of mammon off of our finances. Come on, I don't know how you feel, but I would rather be 90% blessed than 100% cursed. And I'm so grateful that when I operate in good stewardship, that, that he is faithful to be able to break that spirit off of the rest of my money so that it can go further than I realize it could possibly go. Jeremiah chapter number 18. I'm going to read the first six verses of Scripture, and then we're going to talk about it today. Before we do that, come on, can you just give God praise for Rita? Come on, just give God praise for Rita. It's going to make a lot more sense here in a minute. Jeremiah chapter number 18, beginning with verse number 1. And the word of the Lord says that the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house. For there I will cause you to hear my words. Aren't you glad when you go to the potter's house you get to hear from the Lord? He says there I will call at the house. Don't make me preach on church attendance in the middle of this COVID situation. At the house you'll hear my word. Now, I don't, know, I don't know about every house, but I'm so glad that at the potter's house, we get to hear his word. The house that he designates. I didn't preach this in the first service, but it feels really good right here. He said, there I will cause you to hear my words. That doesn't mean that there was an absence of his words, but maybe there was some clogged up that was happening in the people's ears. He said, but when you come down to the potter's house, I will cause you to hear what I'm doing in this situation. Then I went down to the potter's house, and, and there he was, making something out the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, O Judah church, can I do with you as this potter? That's something we're going to have to answer this morning. Can I do with you as the potter is doing with this clay? So the Lord said, look at the clay as in the potter's hand. So are you in my Anybody glad to be in the hand of the potter? Why don't we go ahead and give him praise right here. The house of Israel. Preach to you in this series, this second to the last message of this series, when God plays dirty. Coming down to the potter's house, to the potter's house. Something very, very dangerous that we pray on a regular basis in our prayer lives, those of us that continually pray. We find it in the model prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples when they asked him the question, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, I want you to pray. He didn't say pray this. He said pray like this. In other words, these are some terms, these are some phrases, these are some thoughts that need to be a part of your prayer life. He didn't say pray it like a liturgical thing. This is the model in which disciples pray. He said, I want you to pray like this, our Father. Not my Father. No. Not my Father, not your Father, but because we in this thing together. If it's ever going to work, it's because we're going to be a part of this thing together. It is not Lone Ranger religion. 
Come on, but it is our Father. Our Father. Well, who's the our? Everybody that's His, that's our Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Here's the dangerous. You ready? Thy will be done. The will of God, we want to be done on earth as the will of God is already in function and in operation in heaven. There is no wonder who's in charge up there, but we're asking for the will of the Father that is in heaven to be released in the lives that are here on earth. But hear me today. For the will of God to be done on earth, it has to be done, be done in earthen vessels. For the will of the Lord to be done on earth, it has to be done in earthen vessels. That there has to be somebody that is willing to allow the will of the Lord to be done in their life for it to be released on the earth. That's why if you ever find anybody who's spiritually mature that you ask to pray for you or pray with you, they will never pray that everything you want, everything you desire is going to take place. They will always pray according to the will of the Lord, that they want the will of the Lord. I know what you desire. I know what you're prophesying. I know what you're declaring. But ultimately, all of that is submitted to the will of God over your life. If he wants me to be married, let his will be done. If he doesn't want me to be married, let his will be done. If he wants this COVID to kill me, let his will be done. If he doesn't want COVID to kill me, let his will be done. If he wants me to be rich, let his will be done. If he knows I can't afford to be rich, let your, let your will be done. But here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, that when we submit ourselves to the will of God, W-I-L-L, when we submit ourselves to the will of God, we must then submit ourselves to the will of God. When we hold the W-I-L-L as our desire, then he will bring us to the W-H-E-E-L of his shaping. Most of us have no problem wanting the will of God, but we resist the will of God. I want you to hear me. I didn't have time in the first service, but I feel it frisky in the second. <laughs> Do you know the greatest fight in your life is not with the devil? And the greatest fight of your life is really not within you. The greatest fight of your life is are you willing to submit to the will of the Lord? It is in the will of the Lord. Pastor, how could you say that? Because we see Jesus even struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane. That here is God made flesh still going, Lord, let this cup pass from me. I don't want this. But in spite of the fact I don't want this, I still want your will to be done. And so he had to be willed in order to follow the will of the Lord. We see it easily in the passage of, of the children of Israel being brought out of Egypt into the land of promise, into Canaan. God tells them through Moses that he's going to lead them out of bondage into captivity and out of bondage and out of captivity into the land of promise that is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Listen to me, y'all. The moment God decreed it, it was already flowing with milk and honey. See, but it took them 40 years to go through a process. Why? Because, because Canaan needed to be prepared for them? No. Canaan was ready for them. The problem is 
is they weren't ready for Canaan. So he had to take them through 40 years of being on the wheel before he released the wheel into their life. The greatest struggle of our life is not with the devil. It's with are we willing to be on the wheel of God? Are we willing to allow God to be wheeling our lives? This is why you must understand that all stress, all confusion, all concerns, all frustrations, and all burdens are not all bad. Help me, Holy Ghost. Every problem in our life is not all bad. Every bad situation in our life is not all bad because if it was all bad, then it would only produce bad. Because a seed can only produce according to its kind. But he'll use those stresses, those anxieties, those frustrations, those fearful things, and he'll work it for his good because there is a purpose in the process on the will of God to produce the will of God for our lives. So he looks at us and he says and to prophet Jeremiah, he says, Jeremiah, arise and go down to the potter's house. Hold on now. Arise and go down. Get up and get down. Get up. Get, 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 never mind. Some of you, don't make me go there. Don't make me go there. I'll pull my pants down just a little bit. Come on now. Come on now. Don't make me do it. I'm like, I'll put, I'll put my clothes on backwards and make you jump. jump. No, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Jesus. All the young people are going, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? I'm talking about when music used to be real music. Before auto-tune. When you... When you had to be Millie Vanilli and lip sync to somebody else actually singing. Versus you talking like Kurt Franklin and then they tune it up like you Never mind. I ain't shut up. Let me shut up. Sorry. Uh, he says, I want you to arise and then go down. Listen to him. He says, I want you to get high and then go low. He didn't say arise and head over. He said, I want you to arise and then get low. In other words, this is the power of praise and worship. When we elevate ourselves from where we are, and then we don't leave ourselves in elevation, but we're willing to go deep to where he wants us to be. He tells the prophet that if you're really going to see what I'm wanting to say, see, if you're going to hear what I'm trying to communicate to you, you're going to have to elevate but also be willing to go down. You're going to have to go high but also be able to go deep because for you to really get the deep things of God, you're going to have to get higher than where you are. I need you to come out and get up higher out of the muck and out of the mire, but be willing to get into deep waters to be able to see what it is I'm trying to communicate. And there is a rhema word that God is releasing to the prophet Jeremiah that if he's not willing to elevate, he'll never get to hear. And if he's not willing to stay, not stay at elevation but go down into deep waters, Oh, I'm preaching right here. They go down. I thank God for elevation. But where I'm going to get the word is in. That's not anti-church. Don't, 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 don't. Don't bring political propaganda stuff in here. That's, that's, that's pure heart. I, I can't live always high. Because I will, I will get rid of my crack pipe and go to, the, go to the church. And I will be just as high on church and never know how to live in deep waters. You stop getting high on crack, and now you're just high on church. 
You understand? That's why we got to be willing, okay, that's why we got to be willing to go deep. And so he tells him, I want to go through the process, and listen, I'm going to speak to you through what's happening with the potter. I want to take you through the five stages that happen before they ever get to the fire. We'll deal with the fire on the, at another time. But I want to tell you the five stages that happens with the clay as it relates to the potter. I'm so glad to know today that God is still the potter, and I am still the clay, that I have not become the potter. You have not become the potter. It is a dangerous thing when a congregation becomes the potter and the preacher becomes the clay. It is a dangerous thing when the congregation becomes the clay and the preacher becomes the potter. It is a dangerous thing when your wife is the potter and you're the clay, or your husband is the potter and you're the clay. Oh, God have mercy. Oh, that's why we got a bunch of crackpots running. Because we've made man the potter. We've made, oh, we've made money, the, we've made everything but God the potter. He says, that's a process. I'm going to give you five of them real quick. You ready? Number one, the potter selects the clay. Mm. He selects the clay. Listen, regular clay is not usable. Any old run-of-the-mill type of clay is not usable. But he's looking. He eyes. The Bible says he's searching to and fro looking for a very specific type of clay for him to be able to use. He selects the clay. Hear me. The clay wasn't standing in the selection line. The clay was just being a big old lump around everything else. But somewhere along the way, the potter walked by that clay and said, uh, that clay is my clay. That's the clay that I'm going to qualify for my hand. That's the clay that I'm going to qualify for my use. The fact that he chose you above everybody else, above somebody else, above anybody else, is an indicator that it is worthy of praise. It is worthy of all the glory and all the honor. And all. listen, I want you to know today, some people didn't make it to 2021. There are some people whose marriage didn't make it in 2021. There's some people's relationships didn't make it to 2021. There's some people that didn't live to be in 2021. But here you are. I don't know why he selected me. I don't know why he selected you. But I'm so grateful that the potter said, I'm worthy of being used by him. It ought to be good news to somebody who feels very insecure about the status and the situation you're in. You did not choose you, but he chose you, and he bought you with a price. Therefore, we glorify God with our clay. Uh, he selects the clay. Number two, uh, here we go. He separates the clay. It's one thing to be chosen. It's another thing to be separated. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. It's one thing to be chosen. It's another thing to live separated. He, he will choose you, and then he will isolate you. He'll take you from being with everybody else, and he'll make you something all by yourself because he wants to do something with you that he cannot do if you just hang out with where everybody else is. Listen, shaping would never take place if separation doesn't happen. You cannot be formed inside of all the other clay. But he will separate you. And listen, you can be in this world. You can be in the United States. You can be in a particular party of politics. You can be in this. You can be in that. But you can't be of that. And you can't be a part of that and live in that if you want God to do what he wants to do inside of you. If I'm being chosen, selected by the potter, then I got to be willing to be separated for his special use. And I know we don't like this in the self-indulgent culture that we have in the United States. 
But when you are separated, there's some people you can't be with. When you're separated, there's some places you can't go. There's some things you can't do. There's some things you can't say, and there's some attitudes you can't get. When you're separated, you might be in it, but you can't be of it. When you're separated. Because watch this, I'm not isolated to be a unicorn. I'm isolated to be a vessel worthy of honor that is being used for his purpose. He selects, and then he separates. Oh, here we go. And then he sanctifies. Oh, I feel old school right here. I know it's a dirty word in the church today. But he will take the clay. He will select the clay, and then he will take up the clay, separating it from everything else. And then the first thing he'll do after he has separated it is he will begin to sanctify it. Watch this. Because in order for a clay to be eligible for transformation, it must first be cleansed. If you're not willing to be cleansed, you're not willing to be transformed. Because watch this. Impurities will be revealed once the transformation begins. I need you to hear me today. The moment transformation begins, you will start to have impurities revealed. So God says, if I'm the potter, I'm going to wash you first. Because when I get to making what it is I'm trying to make, I don't want to have to go back and start over because all of a sudden your impurity shows up in the light. And I have to go back and do it. I don't want to have to start something and then stop it just to take you to the bathtub and baptize you all over again and wash. I'd rather wash you before I ever start shaping you because the moment I start shaping you, I don't want to have to start over if I don't have to. Mm. Help us, Holy Ghost. Everybody wants transformation. Everybody wants elevation. But in order for you to be transformed and elevated, you are going to have to be sanctified. And sanctification is a part of the equation for transformation and elevation. I know the city I, I'm preaching in. Everybody wants the transformation. Everybody wants the elevation. But you ain't never going to find a church called sanctification. We want the end result. We want, we want to skip to our microwave Messiah and don't want to go through the process. But hear me today. The problem is if he doesn't wash you, if he doesn't sanctify you, that when the light comes, all you're going to do is show your crack. Help me, Holy Ghost. All you're going to do is show your crack. That's what, oh, all you're going to do is show your crack. That's the problem. That's the problem. That, oh, when we start dating and we start getting serious, the first thing, mm, the first thing impure people do is walk. And so by the time you get serious into the relationship, you didn't realize how much crack. Because all it did was become about the... 
Oh, God, don't make me spell it out now. And the moment you don't let it all be about the crack, they start really showing you their crack. Come on. Start showing you that crack. So what you got to do, you, you got a pastor who's always showing his crack. Every time they don't give enough, he shows his crack. Every time they don't serve, he shows his crack. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Every time, every time you don't get the solo, you show your crack. Every time your kid doesn't get preferred, preferred in the drama team, you show your crack. Every time you didn't, oh, here we go. Every time you didn't get the, 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 the benevolence committee to show up because you hadn't been in church for two weeks, you show your crack. My God, I don't have the ear of the pastor. No, but you've got to, you can't, God, oh, I'm about to get in trouble. It's hard to see your use when all you do is show your crack. It's hard for me to find your value when all I find is your crack. So you, all your husband gets is your crack? All your kids see is your crack? The moment they don't clean their room, boom, there's your crack. I don't know why I did that, but you get it. You get it. It was my LeBron move. I wasn't pulling my pants down, but you get it. Show your crack. You just show your crack all the time. Every time, every time you, it doesn't go your way at the job, boom, they see, they don't see your light, they don't see your love, they don't see your Jesus, all you show them is your, you need to get sanctified. And all of a sudden, the words coming out of your mouth sounds a whole lot, the flatulence coming out of your crack. Somebody write that down for me. Because I don't know where that came from, but I, I might have to hear that again. Your face looks like what you sit on every time you don't get your way because all you show is your, because you haven't, this is why the psalmist said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me because I want to be. All I got to do is push you just a little bit and I'll find out. How much of that crack has been cleansed? Okay. <clears throat> so what we have is we have a bunch of crack pastors. We have a bunch of crack leaders. We got crack husbands. We got crack wives. We got crack parents. And no wonder we got crack kids. And every Sunday we gather in crack houses. Because nobody, everybody wants to shout, but nobody wants to be sanctified. Everybody wants to talk about the holiness of God, but they don't want to talk about the holiness of Glenn. That's my first name, by the way. I'm preaching to me. Come on. We want the show, but here's the problem. When the light comes, it will expose the crack. When the light comes, it will expose the crack. When the heat that comes from the light is beaming on you, if you're not sanctified, if you're not washed, you will expose the crack. 
Em and I, we, oh, I, hate, I hate to even do it, but because I just need you to know it happens in church. Sitting in, in, around and, and the Lord is opening doors. We're around mega ministries. And if I name names, you would absolutely know who they are. And they're trying to reel, reel, reel us in and putting us behind the proverbial curtain and, and talking about different things. And, and hear me today. I sat in one meeting. in Global Ministries. I sat in one meeting and they said, Glenn, listen. Listen, in order for you to be qualified to be a part of this club, I'm going to need you to expose your hidden sin. And I'm looking at them going, my hidden sin. Yeah, yeah. Are you an alcoholic? I don't drink. Do, do you do drugs? I, no, but sometimes I wish. <laughs> what prescriptions are you on? I, I don't have any prescriptions. How many times have you cheated on your wife? I'm still alive. And all of me is still intact. Don't make me bring the drill bit back in. As a marriage conference analogy, you should have been here. And they're like, no, no, you got something. Well, I mean, you know, I get mad. I mean, you know, if you really push me, I would, I'll probably cuss. If you really, I mean, you got to really push me to get that out. Like, I mean, I got to pull that joker off the cross because I had a terrible mouth. I mean, I had a terrible mouth for me, <clears throat> for God. Let me just say that. I had a terrible mouth. I'd cuss you from your toenails to your hair follicles. I'd cuss you. Not in front of my mama. But I'd cuss you. I, I mean, I would, it would almost sound like tongues. I mean, I'd put work groupings together that didn't make sense. But, I, I, you know, I mean, I'll cuss you. I, you know, so, sometimes I, I take stories too far. I guess I lie, you know. I call it preaching, but you call it lying, you know, whatever. No, 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 for real. What's, what's the real? I'm like, I mean, I, are you addicted to pornography? No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm addicted to my wife. I find myself... Cracking open the bathroom door when I hear the shower running. <laughs> I'm intentionally making that uncomfortable for you because I just want you to know. I'm 24 years in and I still look for the opportunity. I do. Sorry. Sorry. It's my sentence. I mean, it's my good thing. Favor of the Lord. So I want, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. So I've decided she's going to be the object of my love and my lust. So, so oh, here we go. You ready? So I guess if, if I'm perverted, I'm only going to be perverted towards one person. That's why she came, my God, my God. There's something wrong with you. There is. It's you. It's you. Aren't you glad it's you? So I'm sitting, we're sitting in this room, and then, and then they start laughing at us. They start laughing at us, and they say, they say, Glenn, we know what your problem is. We know why your church is not a mega church yet. Oh, okay. All right, help me. Help me, because I'm a student, and, and obviously you're, you're doing it on a global level. I want to know. 
Here's the problem. You actually love Jesus. You, you actually love Jesus. Well, yeah. Yeah, I actually I do. But that's why you don't have a mega church. It's because you actually love Jesus. And we sat there going, that's a really big crack. That's a really big crack. And if it requires having, so I'm, I'm just going to say it because I'm, I'm feeling mad right here in this moment. I, the reason why they needed to know what my sin was that I had hidden is because in the because everybody in the room has got to have it. To be qualified to stay in the room because in the event you tell my stuff, in the event you try to tear down my ministry, I got the right things to tear down yours. And the, you know what my biggest crack is? The cross. I'll take that all day long. I, I, not prescriptions. Not, I, come on. I don't have kids in this church that, that aren't mine running around calling me uncle. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Act like it don't happen. Pastor and the first lady get divorced, and the second lady's already been sitting in the congregation for five years. She got promoted. Come on. All it is is, come on, it's crack. It's crack. Sanctifies. Listen, I am not perfect, but I do want to live holy. I want my heart to always be pliable. I want whatever happens. Listen, I don't make my kids and my wife sit on the front row. This is a really bad analogy in this service. But we decided when we planted this church that if our kids can't shout over what I'm saying, I'm not qualified to say it. Yeah. I, don't tell, I didn't walk in, my daughter kissed me this morning in the second service, and I said, now go get on the front row because I want people to look how important the PKs are. I yell at Chisholm because he doesn't sit with his mother when he's actually in town. He's like, but God, God, if I sit on the front row, nobody in the whole section will be able to see over my head. My, so I stand up against the wall. Yeah. Uh, nobody could see. If I lift my hands, the whole has a shadow over the whole, you know. I get it. He's six foot ten, okay? Sorry. If you haven't met him yet, he's awesome. But it's not a requirement. But it is a desire. Because I want the guy in the pulpit to be the guy at the house, to be the guy in the boardroom, to be the guy that's leading the staff. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's my desire. I don't want to crack. And I don't want to get cracked under the pressure. Hmm. So he sanctifies the clay. Let me hurry. Third, fourth one. Here we go. He, he selects it. He separates it. He sanctifies it. Number four, he spins it. He takes the clay and he puts it in an unstable situation. He puts the clay in an unstable environment. He puts it in a place where the clay is constantly spinning. He puts it in instability so that he can use the stability of his hand 
in spite of the instability of the environment the clay is in. He, he stabilizes the clay with his hand by putting it in the instability of the spinning of the wheel. Oh, God have mercy. I don't know if you see this or not, but she's got her hand not just on the outside, but she also has her hand on the inside. She doesn't just have a hand on the inside, but she also has a hand on the outside. Why? Because nestled between her hands is the necessary tension that is required. In spite of how unstable the environment may be, the hand of the Lord is on the outside of it, and the hand of the Lord is on the inside of it, and he's using the tension to create stability for use. Oh, I don't know if you can see this or not, but the process gets ugly. The process gets messy. The process gets ugly. And there's a lot of stuff that goes in the process that is messy and ugly and nasty. But you don't do it for the sake of the process. You know that when he begins a good work, he is faithful to bring something beautiful even out of the ashes. Somebody give him praise in this place today. So I'm here to tell somebody in this room, if you feel like your world is spinning, your relationships are spinning, your finances are spinning, America is spinning, it's chaos everywhere. The good news is, while it's unstable out here, the hand of the Lord is stabilizing the situation. When your environment is unstable, good news, the hand of the Lord is working. He spins the clay. And then number five, he shapes the clay. He shapes the clay. He shapes it. He, the reason why he went through this entire process is for the shaping of the thing he selected. The shaping of the thing he separated. He, oh God, he selected you because he wanted to shape you. He separated you because he wanted to shape you. He sanctified you because he wanted to shape you. And he puts you in instability situations and environments because he didn't want it to destroy you. He wants it to shape you. This is one of the powerful moments of being the clay with the potter. Because he'll use three things to create the vessel he desires. Number one, he'll use water. I don't know if you've noticed. But all throughout this process, the potter has been dousing the clay with the water. Now, here's why. Because if the potter doesn't release the water, the clay will begin to dry out in the spin cycle. All of a sudden, the clay will feel like the dryness of the environment, the dryness of the air, and the clay will start talking like the environment. Start acting like the environment. Start cracking like the environment. Start having fear like the environment. So the, so the potter will constantly douse it with water to keep the clay pliable and soft for shaping. 
so that it doesn't get dried out by the environment. All this is happening at the potter's house. And I'm so glad to know today, Ephesians 5, 26, that he washes you and me with the watering of the word of the Lord. The reason why we have to have the word of God is because it keeps me from drying out. It keeps me from just saying the politics. It keeps me from just getting bitter and fearful like everything else. But the word of the Lord comes and it softens me so he can still shape me. He uses water. Number two, he uses his hands. Oh, God, I don't know if you got caught that. He uses his hands to shape me. It's his hand that is on me. Listen, it's the hand of the potter on the inside of me, and it's the hand of the potter on the outside of me. He's not pushing just my outside, and he's not pushing just my inside. But then I, if I'm going to become all that the potter has deemed me to become, then he must have his hand in me, and he must have his hand on me. Psalm 139, verse 10, and with my hand I will guide you. This is why we have to have the water of the word, but we must also have the hand of God sitting in and on our life. Because if his hand's not on it, nothing's going to come before, from it. He uses his water. He uses his hands. Number three, he uses his mind. He uses his mind. There's no blueprint for what Rita's doing today. Everything that you see her producing first became a concept that became a precept that manifested. It was a concept that then became a precept that made manifestation. Oh, okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void. It was void in the air, but it was fully realized in the... And then God, the concept became a precept. Let there be, and then it made manifestation. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. That the only thing that's ever going to come from my life is what the thought of God is for my life that becomes the, God, the command of God into my life so that he can make manifestation through my life. Rita has determined what this clay was going to be. It was in her mind. She asked me, she said, Pastor, what do you want me to make? I said, make what you want to make. I've used pottery, but I've never made pottery. I've painted pottery, but I've never created pottery. Whatever is in your mind to make, let that be made. I want you to understand, you did not choose you. So you don't get to dictate what it is that he wants you to be. I know we're in a culture where we want to say things like, it's my body, it's my choice. But the truth of the matter is, if you're the clay and he's the potter, you didn't select you, you didn't separate you, you didn't sanctify you, you didn't spin you, therefore you shouldn't be trying to shape you. Because how the potter makes you 
is not a mistake to the potter. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get a whole lot of amens on that one. Huh. This is why we must walk by faith and not by sight. But here it is in Jeremiah 18.4. The vessel was marred. The potter deemed that the vessel was marred. The clay didn't say it was marred. The potter said it was marred. And look at the text. The clay was in the right place, but it was marred. The clay was on the right wheel, but it was still deemed marred. The clay was the right material, but the potter still deemed it marred. The clay was in the right hands, but it was still deemed as marred. This word in Jeremiah is equivalent to the same word we see in the New Testament, I know, called sin. I, I know this is not popular preaching. But since I got you, let me just remind you that sin is still sin. I remember the old church telling me, son, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. And here's the clay marred. Hear me. The clay cannot fix itself. The clay can't save itself. The clay can't wash itself. The clay cannot redeem itself. The clay cannot transform itself. The only thing the clay can do without the potter is be marred. Let me tell you something. In this culture where we think we do it by ourselves, you didn't pull yourself up by your bootstrap. You didn't make something out of yourself. It wasn't your willpower, your own desire and tenacity. It wasn't your 110% effort every day that did anything of any value. If it wasn't for the potter on your side. If you're anything, it's because the potter decided to make you something. Because the only thing you are without the potter is a lump of marred clay. The only reason that I get to stand and do what I do is because I'm allowing the potter to have his way. I want you to see this. It was marred. Look at, look at it. But it was still in the hand of the potter. Oh, God. The potter had the choice. Do I throw it away? Or do I start over again? Do I cast it aside because it's no longer worth anything to me? Or do I take it all over again? And I don't know if you watch, but when that pottery became marred, it never left the hand of the potter. 
The potter said, I'm going to make it all over again. The potter took it to the drying table and pounded out the air bubbles again. The potter said, it's worthy, not of me throwing away, but worthy of me starting over again. Jeremiah is watching this unfold at the potter's house. And Jeremiah didn't have a clue what the potter was thinking, but he recognized what the potter decided, and the potter decided, I can still use this clay for my work. This story is so powerful because it's less about the house of the potter, and it's more about the grace of the potter. It's the potter's grace that was found at the potter's house. He could have threw it away and said, I'll choose somebody else. But he didn't. He said, no, this one's still worthy. Let me make it over again. I want you to see it. The moment the potter selected the clay, the moment the potter selected the clay, from that moment on, the clay never left the potter's hand. And I'm here to tell you that before you were formed in your mother's womb, oh, let me say it again, before you were shaped in your mother's womb, he had already deemed you selected. There are some of you, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost. There are some of you that have been so miserable and wretched and you blame the potter for all the cracks you've had to deal with, but I'm here today to tell you that it doesn't matter how far you've gone, it doesn't matter how bad you've been, it doesn't matter how much shame you've acquired, the potter has never took his hand from you. Now, I don't know how you feel. But I thank the potter for his house. But I thank him for his grace. It's amazing grace. And if you're in this room today and you're thankful for the grace of the potter, I think this will be an appropriate moment to jump up on your feet and thank God for what he's doing in and for and through you. Jesus. Step up those hands all over this room. Ah. Separate us, oh God. Sanctify us, oh God. Allow the instability of our culture to remind us the stability of your hand. Thank you, Lord, that you're reshaping us. I don't know who this is for today, but I feel it in this service right here. Somebody just got liberated from a prison of mind trash. All this time, he's never taken away his hand because he deemed you still worthy. I need every worshiper and intercessor to pray right here. I feel it. I feel it. 
thank you for the grace of the potter. Oh, I hear the Lord saying, I'm making broken vessels new. <laughs> I'm making broken vessels new. Push, push, push. Come on. Come on, war, war with me, prayer team. War with me, worship. Ah. Ah, somebody thank Jesus for being our potter. Somebody thank him for his hand that is still on your life. Somebody praise him that the instability of your situation is not all there is going on in your situation. team, whether you're, on, whether you're on call today or not, you're on call right here. Elders that are left, come on, just meet me in this front right here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on. Come on. an overwhelming sense in this service 
of people who are less focused on what is being shaped because you can't get past the brokenness of what's already dried up in your life. But I'm here today to tell you, the potter has not thrown you away. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. A relationship may have discarded you. And friends may have discredited you. But that doesn't mean the potter has taken his hand from you. And I'm here today to tell somebody who's broken that the potter is so good at his job that he can take dead, broken pieces and put them back together again. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. That whole thing is dead in me. Good news. The potter is also the resurrection and the life. If it was over, you would already be in the trash. But you're at the potter's house today. You're at the potter's house today. You're at the potter's house today. Oh. Oh, I wish I didn't have this microphone on my head. He can make you new. Hear me. He didn't come to make you better. He can make you new. Make you new. Make you new. And I don't know who that's for, but you need to get out of your seat right now and get in this front. I hear the Lord saying, I'm about to make you. I'm about to read. You better get out of that seat. I feel a wave of glory at the potter's house today. Oh, you got it. You got it. 